This podcast is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Listen to other great tech podcasts at www.techpodcasts.com. Yo, you are in the right place at the right time, listening to the right thing. Tech Webcast. Congratulations on choosing such an awesome thing to listen to. You are clearly very smart. You're into tech stuff. You love hearing Brad and Jason and their guests chat. And you're probably really good looking too. Well done. So let's get into it. The weekly tech extravaganza that is Tech Webcast. In three, two, one. Welcome to episode 203 of the Tech Webcast podcast, recorded on Saturday, the 25th of August, 2012. Tech Webcast is recorded every Saturday and rebroadcast on Aussie Tech Heads on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. And big hello to Tom Merritt. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you for letting me introduce your show. Uh, mate, anytime you want. Do you need me to hang <laughs> around? Yeah, just please. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks, mate. <laughs> and uh, welcome to the show, Steve. Good to have you back on again. Oh, good to be back. Uh, a lot of exciting news coming up. Yep, great stories. Um, got Jody back on. Hey, Jody. Hey, Brad. And that was a great intro, Tom. Yeah, great intro. Thank yeah. you, Jody. Great intro. <laughs> and um, we also got Vincent uh, fling in for Jason. Hey, Vin. Vincent hey, Brown. Hey, how you going? How you going, mate? Um, well. How's your week been? And any other stuff you've been doing? Uh, it's been really good. Um, I, I did a bit of a tour of uh, Adelaide City yesterday. Oh, so yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, you had a look at it, did you? I did indeed. Great videos. <laughs> Loved it. Bit like Melbourne. Yeah, it is a bit. Bit like Melbourne. And um, free Wi-Fi everywhere in where you were. Yeah, almost everywhere. Yeah. yeah good We've got a city land here in Adelaide. Okay. All right. Good stuff. All right. And um, what about you, Steve? What's been happening with you during the week? Any? Oh, let me see. Um, uh, my son's fixing to go to school, so I'm getting ready with that. Going, you know, sh- uh, clothes shopping and... Uh, school supplies and uh, etc. Good stuff. All right. And what about you, Jody? Well, I'm getting ready potentially to go to Boston. Next week is the HubSpot partner, um, big, they call it Inbound 2012. And uh, Cindy Lauper is going to be singing, you know, because girls just want to have fun. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it should, be, it should be a fun week. Cool fun. Cool fun. All right. Well, um, let's get some news happening and uh, we'll come back to Tom in a minute. Okay. Interesting story. Um, as those of you who have been following this story, Apple versus Samsung. Samsung violated Apple patents, and according to the jury, the judge and the jury, they owe more than $1 billion in damages. For, and it basically is rewriting the rules for mobile technology patent disputes. Um, interestingly, um, the fact that there was another case a week ago in Korea um, where the result was a little bit different um, but this one came down squarely on the side of Apple basically jurors found that the on-screen the bounce back patent that Samsung had infringed on the phones and tablets um, the pinch and zoom they felt that Samsung had infringed with all but three devices um, they felt that Samsung violated the design patent for the front of the phone for all but one phone so there were a lot of different areas where Samsung ostensibly basically blatantly copied Apple technology I'm curious what you guys think about this, if you um, feel that the jury 
awarded the, the decision correctly. All right. What about um, you, Vincent? What's your view on this first? Well, I don't know. I, I really, uh, I'm on the fence on this one. I, I'm a pretty, I wouldn't say I'm an Apple fanboy, but um, how many Apple fanboys would admit to that? Mm. Um, but I do like Apple products and, you know, I, I tend to feel myself uh, falling on the Apple side here. But, um, yeah, it, I'm not really uh, in the know. I haven't been following it because, as I was saying before, it just seems like a big flame war between the, mm. the Apple people and the Google people. But what I, would, I was wondering was if Google will be uh, chipping in to help out Samsung. Mm. Not sure. Good question. Um, what about you, Steve? Well, tell you the truth, you know, I did my own research and, and came up to, with my own conclusions. Um, there are just so many things that kind of look like, you know, a lot of Apple stuff. I mean, look at their packaging, uh, USB connectors, uh, some of the UI ch- changes. Uh, you know, I, it's, it just seems that it's too much to be coincidence. On the other hand, I don't believe we should take uh, – um, some of the software patents laws need to be looked into and possibly changed, uh, especially with the internet and, and today's uh, computers. Mm. All right, good stuff. What about you, Jody? You got a view on this? Well, I have to, I have to say a couple things. First of all, um, with regard to Google, evidently Samsung did meet with Google, and Google had requested that Samsung change the design, and Samsung refused. So mm. I. I, yeah, so I, I think that kind of helps um, Google's case. Um, with regard to um, Steve's comment about, um, you know, the Internet and, and technology, if you have a company like Apple and they have put the time and the money and the investment in R&D to come up with something that is as um, groundbreaking and as novel as they, the technologies that they've come up with, the bounce and the screen and the pinch and the zoom, I mean, that was squarely new technology when it was introduced the fact that Samsung, within a three-month period, comes out with ostensibly, you know, almost the exact same product, it, it's a problem because it discourages companies to do the, the R&D if you say you can't own this, this technology or this interface. Um, but in, in addition, um, and the reason that I feel that the ruling was, was, was right is because if you have a company like Samsung, they should be doing their own R&D. And who knows? They could come up with something that is astoundingly better or at least different and give consumers a choice of product. And that, that's my two cents. All right. Good answer. Um, yeah, I, to me, I don't, don't, I don't care about it. I don't give stuff about it. Um, what about <laughs> you? Um, what's the next story, um, Jody? Oh, sorry, Tom. Oh, okay. Let's ask Tom. Sorry. Tom? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Tom, what's your rant on this? <laughs> sorry. Well, yeah, we've been talking about this a lot on Tech News Today, and, and the thing that I think it's tempting to do is say, oh, well, I think Samsung's products look like Apple's, or I don't think Samsung's products look like Apple's, and therefore this is what I think about the case. You have to keep in mind that this is a patent case about very specific elements of the devices, uh, and what the jury ruled in favor for Apple on was the bounce-back technology in particular so when you when you scroll down and you let go and it kind of bounces back up that way of doing it and not just the fact that it bounces up but exactly the way that apple implements that bounce they said samsung 
infringed on that patent. Also, the double tap to zoom. Again, not just the fact that you double tap, but the way it was implemented. That's one thing that is easy to misunderstand about patent law. It's not that rounded corners uh, are now Apple's property or that tapping is Apple's property. It's, it's the very specific way that they designed it. And that's why you see such different uh, interpretations of the same issues in a lot of different cases out there because uh, patent law is, is a really intricate and, and sort of arcane discipline and, it, and it's, it's hard to see how with, and, and that's why the jury had 84 pages of jury instructions. It's hard to see how to say whether someone definitively infringed on a patent or not. That's why patents are so thick as well. So I can't say whether I think the jury made the right decision or not because I haven't read all the patents and I haven't looked at all the jury instructions and decided on that. I think in general, though, what we're, what we're finding is that patent law for technology companies needs to adapt. Uh, it, it works very well for slower-moving companies, right? It does what Jody says. It protects innovation. It says, I'm willing to invest in this research and development to get my product out there because I know it'll be protected for a limited amount of time. In technology, things move so fast, I don't know that it has that discouraging effect because everybody's saying, okay, well, that's the way smartphones look now. Let's just do that and move on. And you end up actually spending more time trying to design around these things that we very quickly think of as obvious, even though under the old patent law, they haven't been around long enough to be obvious. So I, I, I think there's some work that needs to be done on patent law in particular to, to acknowledge the speed at which innovation happens in tech. All right. Good answer. Good point. Good, Good point. point. Yeah. Good answer. Um, and that, not to belabor the, the whole um, point of um, who was first and who was who was uh, copying whom, but the interesting whole part of this is that about a week ago in Seoul, the courts there ruled that Apple infringed um, on Samsung. Now Samsung is a Korean company, so I don't know whether how much that had to do with anything, but um, judges in Seoul said that Samsung did not copy the look and feel of the iPhone. And they ruled that Apple infringed on Samsung's wireless technology. But the judges also said that Samsung violated Apple's technology with that bounce-back feature. Um, and both sides were ordered to pay limited damages. So I don't know how much of it comes into play, the fact that this was a, a Korean court. But um, does anybody have, want to weigh in on that? or if you think uh, Actually, I do. There, Jody, because I've actually lived in, in some Asian countries uh, for for a time like uh, Japan and uh, a few others. And I, I know some cultures, if they do something wrong, uh, they call it saving face, that they don't want to admit that they've done something wrong. But I'm, I'm not saying this in this case, but that uh, might explain uh, for some things. Well, the other interesting thing about it is Australia had a Samsung Apple patent case where the judge called the claims ridiculous. The UK had an Apple Samsung patent case where the judge says Samsung was essentially not cool enough to be considered imitating Apple's design. So you're getting different perspectives and different uh, decisions on similar cases, not identical, but similar cases all around the world. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next story. Vincent, you want to say or no? Vincent, Vin? you want to say anything, Matt? No, no, no. I really haven't been following the story. All right, so okay. I have no, no, okay. nothing to add. All right. Okay, well, in, in other news, um, Twitter, as you know, has been kind of breaking their relationships with 
um, some of the other um, companies and closing down their API. Um, so it, it's interesting. The story says um, the term breaking news has become one of the most overused pieces of press jargon. And um, naturally, the term is asked to be poked fun at by the Internet. But now, um, you know, with, with regard to um, Tumblr, um, some of the other blogs, Twitter has now closed down the um, interface that allowed people to post from one to the other. Um, interestingly enough, there's some conjecture that um, the reason Twitter may be doing that has something to do with their uh, recent, um, I'm, I'm not sure if they're owned or somehow related to NBC with re- the um, situation with the Olympics, and that Twitter may be revising their strategy to be more of a breaking news service um, and less of a social media. And uh, does anybody want to weigh in on that one? Um, Tom, what do you think about this story? Yeah, it's uh, Twitter has a partnership with NBC. That's right, uh, and and the the recent Olympic coverage was kind of the biggest example of that. So a lot of people are latching on to that as an example of, hey, Twitter wants to be with Hollywood. They want to be in the media. They don't want to co- cooperate with the little guys anymore. And and I think there's there's some validity to the fact that Twitter's like, no, you know what? We can make an app now. We we don't need people to make apps, and we want to sell ads. Uh, and we're selling ads in our streams, and we don't want apps that don't accommodate that anymore. But at the same time, Twitter, what, what you're not hearing people say as much is that Twitter is also encouraging newer companies to develop on Twitter in a different way. So there's Branch, which is a service that says if you want to take a Twitter conversation that's uh, getting a little too complicated for Twitter, Branch integrates with Twitter to let you carry that conversation out in a different forum. Uh, there's also a, a, a new company called Medium, that it integrates with Twitter and, and allows you to, to kind of uh, take your Twitter posts and put them over in a different place and expand on them. Uh, these are these are all uh, these are all ways of saying we're not going to try to imitate what Twitter does. We're going to take what Twitter does and we're going to turn it into something different and new. But it still preserves the Twitter posts and Twitter's okay with that at least for now. But it's kind of uh, it's a hard thing for the developers who have been spending so much time and sweat and money developing their apps to have Twitter say, oh, you know what, we don't really want you to be doing that anymore. I mean, at least they're not cutting them off 100%, but they're taking away piece by piece this API access that allows them to find friends in the Tumblr case or limits the number of users that they can have on their service. It's right. true, and especially because the developers have spent so much time and sweat equity trying to build something, it's, um, it's almost like putting a, a knife in their back. All right, so what about you, Steve? What's your um, view on this? Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't really uh, caught up uh, on that, uh, so I'm not, no comment. Okay, yeah, same. No, no comment, no comment. What about you, Vincent? You got any comments on this? No, much the same as already yeah. has been said. <laughs> right. um, it's, it's, you know. Um, no comment? Seems like, no, no comment. Then. No comment. <laughs> What's the next story, Jody? <laughs> We've got some uh, interesting uh, stuff coming out of Amazon. They have a press re- event scheduled for September the 6th, and it's a mystery press conference because we're not quite sure exactly what they're coming out with, but we do believe that they're going to come out with some Kindle refreshes, possibly like four different Kindles, maybe a 10-inch screen, at least one with a 10-inch screen. Um, they possibly could have four Kindle Fire 2 variants, um, a base model with a 
1024 by 768 pixel display right through an 8.9 inch version with a 1920 by 1200 pixel display. So um, I'm not sure whether they think they're going to be competing more with um, the other Kindles or with an iPad. I, you know, interesting, I have a, a Kindle and um, I've got the old black and white one. And the reason I got that one is because you can look at it in sunlight. And I also have an iPad and I use them for two different things. And, um, you know, I, I didn't jump to the Kindle Fire. I just didn't see that there was a reason for a color Kindle, but that's just me. And, um, you know, they're talking about having the Kindles have cameras involved with them. You know, I, I don't know whether it makes sense to evolve that Kindle into being something that's more like an iPad. But I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, if you think about it. If anybody Steve? has an opinion. Um. <laughs> Uh, well, on the Kindle Fire, well, it, it could possibly be with their Kindle Reader itself, uh, some new updates. But, you know, notice, notably with the Kindle Fire, you know, right before Christmas, uh, you know, last year or when it it was about ready to get released, there was a lot of buzz on it. A lot of people ordered it. But after Christmas, it kind of died down. So I'm kind of wondering maybe they're looking to change some things to see if they're getting uh, renewed interest in the Kindle Fire or something along those lines. All right. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think they're going to see some new e-ink readers, but that's not going to be the exciting part. We're going to see an updated Kindle Fire uh, because they put out that Kindle Fire right before the holidays, and it became immediately the best-selling Android tablet, if you consider it a tablet, out there. Uh, but the but the hardware specs were pretty weak, and over time, they get weaker and weaker, <laughs> right? So I think we see a, a Kindle Fire with better hardware, and I, and I think we probably see a 10-inch Kindle Fire because this is happening in Santa Monica, uh, with the, the home of Hollywood. Amazon's based in Seattle. They're not doing it in their backyard. They did the last Kindle announcement in New York City because they really wanted to be in the home of publishing. So I think they're going to emphasize the fact that you can watch videos and TV shows through the Amazon Prime service. Uh, and probably a 10-inch Kindle Fire would make sense in that situation to show off what video looked like. Yep, I agree. But I love the iPad better. I wouldn't buy one of them. Um, what about you, Vincent? Yeah, well, the the thing about the Kindle was always the e-ink, wasn't it? And yeah. that, that it had that over the iPad was that you could read it in the sun and, and that it um, was more of a dedicated e-reader. Yeah, than, well, you can still uh, read stuff in the sun with the iPad. It's or, not, not the same. Not really. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree with Vincent. And mm. you, it really, that's why I have both of them. It, it is a big difference. Mm. And so, yeah, and so w- with the fire, it, it seemed like a, a bit of a strange um, move because they're moving into a much more competitive uh, area with, you know, with Google and Apple. Um, so, I don't know. I, for me, it, it seems like a, a, a pretty um, hard place to be to, to try and compete with um, when, I, when I thought really the Kindle strength was the, the e-ink. Mm. All right. Good, good uh, comment, Vincent. What about you, JD? Would you buy one of these? Um, you know, as I said before, I do have the one with the e ink, and the reason I bought it is specifically for reading it as a book. And I bought one for my mom. God bless her; she's eighty-five. She gets it. She understands how to use it. She uses it like geek? she would a book. Do you know what I mean? So, is she a um, geek? I, what's that? Is she a geek? My mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, of course she's a geek. She's my mom. Cool. Wait, let her let her be anything but a geek. Yeah, but um, no. I also recently got her an iPad, and that blew her mind. 
but you can see, I mean, like, you know, oh my God, you know, like, you know, you can move things and you can do this. And she, she was just absolutely in awe of the iPad, but they're different devices. And I don't believe she's reading her books on her iPad. She's looking at video. She's um, surfing the internet. She's um, doing her email. She's not doing any of that on the Kindle, the Kindle she's using for reading. So I see mm-hmm. them as being distinct products. And I think that unfortunately, you, you know, you have to look at it from, from Amazon's standpoint. They do definitely want to sell more product. And the way they do that is by having this interface. So if they can do movies on the Kindle, then that makes sense, you know, for an avenue that they want to explore. But I don't think they should abandon the e-ink or you know, the, the, the black and white standard because I think that there, there's, there's a place for that. Yeah, it's just it's just different. I love Flipboard. So, Flipboard's a good app. Flipboard's a great app, but it's great on the on the iPad. I don't know that I would do anything like that on a on a Kindle, but maybe they uh, should rename the Kindle Fire to something else because they are two t- totally different products. The Fire, especially if they make a ten inch version, is going to be a, a an iPad and Nexus Seven competitor, not an e ink competitor and an ink mm-hmm. uh reader is better for a, a totally different situation i think mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and like vincent said they have a forte there um they're the only ones that are really doing it and um, they're well they're not the only ones there's the nook as well but they're known for it you know and and i think that they should emphasize their strength yeah and of course it's the uh, gateway into the amazon store so mm-hmm. yeah an, another reason why we it's, can't um, we can't use Amazon over here in Australia. They're oh, that's that's good, Vincent. I'd, yeah, that's good comment. Yeah. All right, Jody. Any more stories? Oh yes, another exciting thing happened this week. Facebook introduced um, a new um, iOS compatible um, app for the iPhone for the iPad. It's a lot faster. They got rid of the HTML5, and um, if you haven't updated your app yet, you probably should because the app is a prime example of why native development is almost always better than trying to do things cross-platform through web connections. So um, I'm just curious whether you guys have tried it yet, what you think about it. Is it faster? Yes, is I've it tried cooler? it. It's, I tried yeah? it, and I agree what you just said, Jan. It's all them cool and fast and great and, yeah. I should, and all the above? All the above. <laughs> you should get it. Um, what about you, Steve? Um, now I haven't seen the new version that come out yet. Uh, I just been busy. Yep. Uh, I do agree with Jody on native, uh, trying to do things on the native platform because I see it too many times where, you know, they try to cross over from another, you know, operating system or some such thing. And it's just not quite the same. Uh, it's not as, as good as the native one it was built on, but those are my thoughts. All right. What about you, Tom? No, I, I don't really use Facebook much, so I was not. I was one of the few people who was not excited about right. this uh, when the news broke because I, I never used the app anyway. But I did fire it up uh, to see what it was like. My iPad app keeps hanging. Really? Actually, it could be just a, a total like unusual problem for just me. The iPhone, it definitely was snappier, and and sad to say, you know, HTML5 is not even a certified standard yet. God bless them for trying to make something that's cross-platform that would work everywhere because I think ideally that's good for consumers. But you're right, Jody. I mean, you guys are all right. Uh, it, the, the native development always works better because it's tailored to that device. And you can tell with this app, it's a really good example of that. Mm. All right, what about you, Vincent? I know you don't use Facebook, but you know, I'll, I'll ask you anyway. 
Yeah, well, like Tom, I don't, I don't use the app. I've never used the older app. Uh, mm. I don't even have a Facebook account, so there's no point. <laughs> so. Tommy and all right. Okay, Jody, what's uh, next? Well, that's pretty much the news for, for this week. I'm ready to hear more about Tom and, yeah, and what he's right. been up to. So, Tom, tell us about yourself and what do you do on the Twit Network and that sort of stuff. And yeah, Sure. Far yeah, away, far uh, away. Well, thanks. I, uh, welcome. I welcome to the show, uh, by, by the way. Welcome. What's that? Good to have you on. Uh, thanks. It's good to be Appreciate here. Appreciate uh, your time. The, the main thing I do is host Tech News Today, um, which uh, is a daily news show about everything in the world of technology on Twit. It's uh, at twit.tv slash TNT. Uh, it's me, and I have a couple co-hosts, Sarah Lane and Aya Zaktar, and our uh, awesome producer, Jason Howell, uh, put together a show every day, and we bring in one guest host. Usually, sometimes we'll have segment guests as well. Earlier this week, we had Dan Gooden from Ars Technica, who wrote an article about uh, the vulnerability of passwords, a really good beefy article about it so we had him on to kind of talk about his article and tell us what he's found and and uh and give us some advice actually for passwords and then we'll have other guests that are on just for the entire time and and just kind of talk about the stories we always start with the top 10 stories of the day kind of similar to what you guys are doing uh top stories of the day and then we move into a a more wide-ranging discussion of five or six stories uh and take some feedback from the audience we have a subreddit going on and it's, it's something that I've been doing for a long time, but I, I started doing this for the Twit, This Week in Tech Network, back in 2010. But before that, I was uh, doing the very similar show called Buzz Out Loud on the yep. CNET Network that we started uh, back in 2005. And that's where uh, Hack 5 was. I remember that video. They recorded a video there with you. Got with you. Yeah, Darren Kitchen that's from it. Hack 5, yeah. uh, who's kind of a regular on TNT, uh, mm-hmm. came into CNET. Uh, at one point, and, and we recorded a little, a little kind of a funny video about yeah. uh, using your iPhone on Verizon by taping a Verizon MiFi to the back of it. Very cool, very cool. <laughs> hey, Loved it. So, uh, Tech News Today had a um, a birthday yesterday. Is that right? No, June first oh. uh, was Tech News Today's second anniversary. We've been around just over two years now. Ah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, Vincent, you got some questions for Tom? I'm sure you do. Yeah, I do. Go ahead. Um, I, you do have your fingers in a lot of pies, Tom. I noticed that you've, you know, you, you're doing the tech news today. You, you're pretty big on Twitter. You're like basically second anchor, really, behind Leo. Um, so I imagine there's a lot of um, work that you do behind the scenes as well there on Twitter. But you also got Eats Me West and Sword and Laser, and I imagine you're probably going to go to Dragon Con this weekend. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not this weekend, but next, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, looking forward to that? I am, actually. I always look forward to DragCon. I think this is my fourth one. Oh, wow. So what I was wondering was how do you, how do, you do this? Like how do you um, – can you give us some insight into how you keep, your, keep track of all your projects? And do you have a secret to time management? Are you a GTD, you know, a getting things done guy? Or right. What's your system? I use a TARDIS. Uh, I travel through time, so that I get more. Uh, no, I, it's it's funny actually that you bring this up because uh, recently I actually cut down the number of things that I do. We canceled a couple shows that I do on the Twit Network. Uh, I, I kind of put some things on hiatus uh, that I was doing because I do a lot of independent podcasting in addition to the stuff I do on Twitter. You mentioned Sword and Laser, which yeah. is a, a company that I co-founded with Veronica Belmont, and we do a science fiction and fantasy book club. Uh, and we just uh, we have an audio version, we have an online community version, and we just launched a video version on YouTube in April, which is part of the Geek and Sundry Network. So that was starting to take up a lot more time, uh, which is great, right? It's a great problem to have, but mm-hmm. I've had to sort of concentrate 
uh, on Tech News Today, Sword and Laser. Frame Rate is the other show I do on Twit Network. It's all about uh, yes. video and cutting the cord, Love that show. Yes. Uh, watching stuff online. And, uh, and so these other projects, I, I'm trying to kind of organize serially, like by doing seasons. So East Meets West, I kind of just do whenever I feel like it. Roger and I do it whenever we want. Uh, that's, that's more for fun. But I have a few other shows that uh, I'm finishing one up now that will have its finale at Dragon Con. And then we won't do it for another year. We'll just kind of put it on hiatus. So that, that's one way is to kind of focus things and make sure I have enough time to spend. But I do kind of do a modified GTD that you're mentioning. Um, I use Simple Note on iOS and I use Resoft Notes on Windows and uh, Notational Velocity on OS X to sync notes all across the platform. So I always have access to them no matter what I'm using. And I have four, they're, they're, they're totally based on, on the GTD system, four notes in there that I consult uh, one of them daily, my next actions list, and then three others uh, that I, I check weekly, which are my projects, my some, actually my someday list, I don't really check weekly, but my projects list uh, and my waiting list. Uh, and that helped immensely when I started doing that. I mean, it's, it's exactly what he talks about in getting things done, which is getting stuff out of your head so you don't mm. have to think about it. Even, uh, even if it's just something you're like, well, I know I'll do that this afternoon. But if you, don't, if you put it in a note, you don't have to think about it until the afternoon. Or otherwise, you're like, okay, I have to, I have to remember not to forget. And it keeps taking up brain cycles. So that, that's helped a lot. I also use calendaring system uh, for things that I have to do regularly. So I, ha- I have to post uh, once a week to, to promote the fact that the frame rate show is up. So I have a, an item on my calendar to just remind me to do, do that. That helps a lot, too. Yeah, something I, I saw you uh, your show with David Allen on triangulation, mm-hmm. and um, I found it interesting because you you mentioned um, a technique that is very very similar to what I I use with iCal. I I tend to use notes to put all dump all the thoughts in, as you were saying, but then I'll um, at the beginning of each day I'll sort of take some of those notes and put them into iCal and, and sh- schedule my day. Uh, not, not making appointments with anyone, but just as a way of tracking things. And I think that's, that's what you said of, of how you use the, how you apply a GTD to Yeah, ICAL. I kind of modified it that way. You're right. It's, um, a, it's, a, it's a way to make sure that I have time to do those things that are on my list. It, it all depends on what kind of things you're doing, right? Uh, and, and a lot of the things that I need to do involve writing. And writing means I have to set aside a half hour, an hour to sit down and write. And so just having it on a list of things to do means a lot of times I may start doing it at a time when I really don't have enough time or, yeah. I, or I won't be good about defending that time and, I'll, and someone will interrupt me and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I, I can have a meeting now. And so putting it on the schedule says, no, actually from 3 to 3.30 I'm writing, so I can't do that. Can we do it at 3.30? And it just helps protect your time. And do you do you find that the that you're able to keep those calendar entries uh, rigid and isolated and uh, free from interruption or or not? You know, now that I'm freelancing, it's a lot easier. Uh, when I worked at CNET and it was more of a nine to five, you know, cut and dried uh, time schedule, it was harder uh, to do. Uh, but but what I would do is if somebody said, "No, I really need to meet with you at three, I would just adjust my calendar and say, "Okay, well, I'm going to move the writing to three thirty. I'm not going to try to start it." Uh, and, and it usually worked. Uh, and if you're just firm enough and say, like, no, I got something then, you don't have to explain what it is, most people won't fight that. Mm. All right. Any more questions, Vincent? Yeah, I have a stack, but I'll let anyone, someone else jump All in. Right. Um, yeah, I have a question. Tom, what's it like working with uh, Leo Laporte? Leo's awesome. I've worked with Leo for a long time. Uh, I, I started working with him at 
ZDTV in San Francisco back in 1999 uh, when I, I got my first job in San Francisco at his show, The Screensavers, on the, on the ZDTV network, which eventually became Tech TV. Uh, so I've worked with him for a long time. He's incredibly smart. Uh, he's incredibly big-hearted. And, and, and what you see is what you get. He is, he's pretty honest about his faults uh, and, and pretty honest uh, about what he knows and what he doesn't know. And, mm. and it's, it's, it's great working for him. I, I love what he's put together at Twit. Cool. And you do all the shows from the Twit uh, Brickhouse every every week or wherever, whenever you do the shows? I do Tech News Today every morning from the Twit Brickhouse. I do Frame Rate uh, from the studio as well cool. on uh, Monday afternoons. Oh, good stuff. All right. Steve, any questions? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I was kind of reading some of your background information. And, and funny enough, the most I read was, uh, you know, when you were growing up and how you got in the computer, you know, uh, tech industry. And it, it said initially you were like going to go to the, the store and buy some kind of video game. And <laughs> your father gave you a choice, I guess. Um, you could buy the game or I could give you $100 extra and you can get the, uh, I guess it was a computer. Yeah. So w- with that decision... Uh, you know, if your dad didn't do that, would would it you know would it prevent you from you know getting uh, interested in as much as you did, or how has your father's uh, influenced you in the tech industry? You know, it's funny. I love I love to play video games, um, but I am far from being an expert in video games. Uh, and and the few times I've tried to co-host a video game show, I've realized just how much I don't know about the video game industry and video games. And that that. That instant might have, might have been the divergence, right? Uh, because what I wanted was an Atari 2600, and I wanted it really, really bad. And what my dad did to me made me save up the $99 for it. And when we got there, he said, okay, you can get your Atari if you want. I'm not going to stop you. But if you buy this TI-99 for a computer, I will give you an extra $99 because it's $200. And so all of a sudden, I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, well, it plays video games. They're not as cool as the Atari. But it's also a computer, and I can do programming. I can do all this other stuff. So I went for it. But yeah, if he hadn't done that, I might have bought the 2600. I might have gotten into just playing video games all the time and, and ended up a video game journalist. Or who knows? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Joe, do you have any questions for Tom? Or, or you could have just been addicted to video games. But uh, Right. I so might have just <laughs> never left the house. Who knows? Five's good, though. <laughs> um, Joe, any questions? <laughs> yeah, actually um, – I'm curious because you are so at the forefront of changes, technological changes, um, innovation. And where do you see things moving in the next, let's say, five years? I think that's a a big horizon, actually. Do you you think that Facebook is still going to be around? Do you think, um, you know, are are computers going to be changing? Are we going to have, like, screens that float in the air? What do you you think? (laughs) Yeah, it's always hard to predict, right? Let's, Let's think about 2012, five years ago, 2007. Would I have been able to predict what's going on now? Definitely would not have predicted the tablets. I would I mm. could not have seen. I would I would not have seen that coming. Uh, was, we had we had iPhone back in two thousand seven, so I probably would have made a good guess about how the explosion of smartphones and the importance of those. Uh, and I, I've always been a big fan of Twitter, and I was an early fan of Facebook. I don't use it much, but I see why people use it. I think that Facebook is fast going to become eBay. Uh, and in that, I mean, they're not going to go away. They're not going to fail. They're, I think they're too good at what they do. But they're going to start having to scrabble for relevance. Uh, they're going to they're going to live off their inertia for a while because they have such a huge audience and so many people depend on them. Uh, but they're going to have to keep reinventing themselves a little bit. And I think we're seeing that 
with the switch to mobile. That's their first big challenge, which is, hey, everybody wants to use your product on a mobile device now. What are you going to do about it? And they've been very slow to respond to that. So, you know, them, them specifically, I, I don't see them going away, but I see them becoming kind of the old man on the block, so to speak. Who knows what the other stuff that we're going to see is going to be. A couple of good bets. Internet of Things, I would keep an eye on. Uh, Internet-connected uh, devices. And it's not mm-hmm. what we've been hearing about since the dot-com era of, like, your refrigerator is going to be connected to the Internet and you can surf on the screen. It's no- nothing like <laughs> that. It's going to be much more innovative stuff. And I think we see the early early tip of that with things like the Nest thermostat, which is a, a very mundane device, the thermostat, right? You just wire it up and you set the uh, temperature and you let it go. But they've done some really amazing stuff. They have a great interface uh, and it allows you to have much more control over your home without spending a huge amount on home automation uh, and having to think about a whole system. And I, and I think we'll see more people coming up with that kind of thing. I also think that we're, we're like halfway down the road to entirely uh, overturning how we consume video, movies, and TV shows. I mean, essentially, all the pieces are in place. We're just waiting for that one thing to push us through. And I liken it to tablets. We had tablets before the iPad. Uh, and everybody saw what you could do with tablets, but nobody was putting a tablet out that caught our imagination and said, okay, this is how to make the best use of a tablet until Apple came out with the iPad. So I think somebody's going to come along, it may be Apple, it may not, who says this is the thing that makes watching video on the internet work and it will capture everybody's imagination and and the industry's just going to have to follow because that's where everybody's going to go. So those are a couple of my best stabs at what I see coming down the down the right. line anyway. Uh, Steve, oh. we've got some questions in the chat room there from Jacob and Jennifer. Do you want to read them out? Why don't you go ahead and read them, Brad? Since uh, uh, Jennifer <laughs> wants to know: um, Are you an Android or, or an iOS person? You know, I, I'm multiple OS. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting here with a Windows machine and an OS 10 machine in front of me, and I've got Linux installed on the laptop as well. As far as mobile devices go, uh, I carry an iPhone most of the time, and that that's purely inertia. I uh, I just uh, I, I just happen to to still have it around and it's got all my apps so I've kind of locked in. I've tried Android phones. My wife is a big Android phone fan. She hosts a show called All About Android so I get exposed to them all the time. And I have uh, a Nexus 7. I have an iPad. I have a Kindle Fire. Uh, I end up using the iPad more often because I think that's the best one right now. But I'm not a fanboy about any any of them. I'm going to use the one that works the best for what I want to do with it. And uh, Mm -hmm. Jacob wants to know, uh, do you write um, your own copy of TNT? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, what 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 is what there is that's written? I write. You're right. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's mostly an ad lib show. Uh, the the vast majority of the show is just links and some notes to make sure that we get all the facts right. Uh, the news fuse item, which is our top ten stories at the top, uh, we all write our own little news fuse items there. Sweet. All right. Vin, can go ahead, can I uh, take us in a little bit of a di- different direction? Sure. Um, many. I'm probably now you mostly from the the TNT uh, or, or sorry the Twit Network, but um, you're also an, an author of fiction, hmm. um, and you even uh, have some experience writing um, with Leo Laporte's technology almanac. <laughs> How did you get into um, writing fiction? 
<laughs> Writing fiction is totally a hobby. Uh, I have only ever self-published my stuff on Lulu.com. Uh, it's not something I've ever even tried submitting to an agent or anything like that. I enjoy but, it. But, I have fun with it. And you know some people have bought the books and, and like them, and, I, and I'm tickled to death about that. Sorry. sorry. But, um, United Moon Colonies is in iBooks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, well, that's one of the things Lulu uh, does. It will automatically submit to all the different platforms. So you can get it into iBooks and get it into Kindle. It's available in Kindle and all that stuff. Right, right. And uh, uh, As far as the, the Almanac goes, uh, what happened there is we took a lot of the content from the website at techtv.com and used it in the Almanac. Uh, so pretty much any of us that wrote for the website uh, got, got in there somehow. I see. Good question, Vincent. Good question. Um, how long has uh, frame rate been around for, Tom? Well, it's, it's getting close to uh, 100 episodes now. Wow. Uh, we're in the 90s. Uh, we, we started it shortly after I started at Twit, which was June 2010. So I, I think we started it in the fall uh, of 2010. I could actually like probably look that up if I really wanted to. It's been a, lo- it's been a long time in alpha and beta, just testing out ideas. Uh, while Brian and I uh, formed it. Uh, but yeah, it's been a couple of years. So do you have cable TV? What, what's your thoughts on cutting the cable and that sort of stuff? I do I do it all, actually. I have DirecTV, our satellite broadcast here in the U.S., yep. uh, and we use uh, the whole home DVR uh, for that. We, we subscribe to a very basic package plus HBO because that's the way we get most of the shows we watch, which are on HBO. Uh, and then we have a Roku box, which I'd say probably gets the most use because... It's the easiest to use. We have a Google TV uh, Logitech review in the bedroom, which nice. I use for Netflix um, and occasionally for some Amazon video and HBO Go. Not very often for the HBO Go, though. The interface, it's, it's just HBO on the web through the Chrome browser. It's not very good. Uh, we have a BoxyBox. We don't really use it all that often. Uh, we have an Apple TV, which we will use for renting movies, it yeah. seems, uh, more often, although we, we've been using it more now with AirPlay. Uh, from Mountain Lion. Yeah, I love it. Uh, in fact, we used that for the Olympics. It was pretty nice. Cool. And what about uh, iPad? What's it up to you using your iPad for watching TV? Uh, oh, let's see. On the iPad, what do I use for watching TV? I, use, I watch Al Jazeera for news uh, quite a bit. I have the Netflix app. Uh, I, I, I watch uh, Firefly. I have all, all the Firefly episodes stored uh, in the video app, and I watch them constantly when I'm on planes and I'm bored and I have nothing else to do. I have HBO Go on here as well. Uh, and uh, Slingbox, I use that to watch my home TV and uh, the DirecTV app, actually. Cool. All right, Jody, any more questions for Tom? I'm sure you do. Uh, what's your, Yeah, I was um, like taking notes on all your apps. Um, if, if you were going to, you know, it's like, oh my God, I don't have that one. I don't have that one. Um, I was going to ask what your favorite apps are actually. If you, if you had, if somebody had a brand new virgin iPad, what would you tell them they absolutely must have? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, the, the apps that I probably use the most are the BBC news app, uh, and the weather channel. I look at those First thing in the morning, every morning. Since the Chrome app came out, I've been using that a lot because I can uh, like not even have to get up in the morning. I can grab my tablet and just start looking at news stories and then know that if I open stuff in tabs, those tabs are saved. And I can go to Chrome on my desktop and open them up and they're all still there. Uh, I use the Twitter app, actually. I use that quite a bit. Um, I use the Kindle app. That's pretty much the iPad is my e-reader. 
I use that all the time. I use TripIt, uh, invaluable on the iPhone as well as the iPad for keeping track of travel information, letting you know gate changes. If you do any kind of traveling, I highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. Uh, comicsology, if you read comic books, uh, which I go through phases where I, I kind of binge on comic books, uh, uh, but, but that's one of the best. Uh, I use Goodreads because that's how we manage our forum for Sword and Laser. I have the Audible app on my phone, constantly listening to audiobooks. Uh, the World of Warcraft app, but you, you don't play Warcraft. <laughs> I don't care about that. You know, uh, the, the Atari app is pretty fantastic for games. Nine ninety nine, you get every Atari game ever made. Wow, that's cool. Oh, that's crazy. So there, yeah. I got my 2600 finally. There you go. It's yep. Just, it's just an app. <laughs> yep, yep. Right, hey, I got funny. a quick question for him, uh, Tom. Since um, uh, Vincent mentioned that you write books, um, what, what, what's, what are some of the subjects? Is it like fiction? Is it sci-fi or what? Yeah, the, stu- the stuff that uh, I write is, is fiction. I love to write fiction. Uh, I do the National Novel Writing Month every year in November which is just devoted to trying to write 50,000 words in one month. Uh, so I've got a couple of, of proto-novels sitting on my hard drive that I keep meaning to get around to edit. Uh, I've been working on, on, my, uh, on my experimental blog with a little story ideas that I think I'm going to go after and try to turn into a, an actual no- novella during uh, National Novel Writing Month this year. But yeah, it's, it's mostly sci-fi or thriller-ish kind of stuff. Right. Awesome. I like sci-fi. All right, another question for you, Tom. Do you listen to any uh, Aussie podcasts when you're not listening? When you're not doing your podcast, or you, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts like one shot. Like I'll just check them out, test them, see what they're like. The only podcasts that I listen to religiously that I always catch, no matter what, are The Economist, mm. The Instance, and uh, uh, NASA, the okay. NASA webcast. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right, Vince, any questions? More questions? Yeah, I was wondering about the Subbrilliant Foundation. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you say it's a parody, but um, is it really? Is it only a parody? Is there anything? Is it? That's- is it, Vincent? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, so Brilliant started. I was really into the Church's Subgenius when I was in college. Um, and it started, I started a zine. You got, y'all remember zines? Yeah. You, like just print out little one sheets on a copy machine. Uh, yep. So I started sub brilliant news as, as just like crazy stuff that I would type up at my job at the library and uh, photocopy and then hand out in local bookstores. Uh, and then I, I, I took it to Usenet at some point and those are long lost, but I would like type up these parody news articles on Usenet. <laughs> uh, and then eventually uh, in 96, I think I registered the domain name and started the Subbrilliant Foundation and started Subbrilliant News on, web, on the web. And, fr- and I think that was one of the things that helped get me the job at the Screensavers was Subbrilliant News in the late 90s, I was operating as a real thing. Even though I wasn't making any money on it, I had various writers contributing and I would edit their stuff and I would publish on a regular schedule and I had forums and I had created this like proto-content management system in Perl uh, that would allow my writers to just kind of put their stuff into a web form and publish it themselves. Uh, and, it, and, and so when I was telling the person who was interviewing me at, at ZDTV all of this, I think she said, oh, well, yeah, you're doing all of the things on your own that, that we do here and we can do them much better because we have uh, bigger resources. So uh, that's one of the advices, that, pieces of advice that I give to people if they ask me, 
how do you get into doing something? I'm like, I'm usually just start doing it. The beautiful thing about the internet these days is the barrier to starting something is very low. And the, the sooner you get started, even if you're horrible at it at the beginning, the more you do it, the better you get. Mm. Mm. And so what about the um, supporting museums and culture there? How did that come about? And it seems like something that's not very technical. Supporting museums and culture on the Sabrillion Foundation is uh, pretty pretty much um, uh, not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> if, hard in to fact, figure if you, out. If, if you click through, uh, there's, there's one... One, I have to look, actually. I haven't looked at that page in a long time. Uh, if you click through from the, where is it? Is it the Sabrillion University? Uh, there is a, uh, a purported journal article from the Sagax Research Quarterly uh, that is entire gobbledygook imitating academic uh, journal articles. That I did I've see that. Occasionally yeah. throughout the years gotten an email from someone saying like taking issue with it or asking if it had been peer reviewed and I'm just like no it's not real I just, I just made that up <laughs> oh, great um, what about the blog the, is that a novel in progress Does yeah that that's, what, that's what I was sort of vaguely alluding to earlier I'm playing yeah. around with these ideas at sabrillant.com slash blog uh, that I just sort of come up with and, I, and, and they all exist in the same world over different time frames and I, I'm kind of teasing out the universe and I, I hopefully uh, in November, I'll be able to kind of tie them all up into one big story. I think I've got some good ideas about how to do that. Oh, excellent. Look forward to it. All right. Save any more questions, mate? Oh, I think I'm all questioned out. No questions in the chat room. Any questions from the chatters in there? You, Al, says, uh, wants to know if I have a favorite source for tech information. Uh, and actually, uh, I, I, w- I will say that I don't have a particular favorite, but I have a set of favorites that I, I keep in an RSS reader. Uh, and I, that's the first thing I do is I read my dozen or so RSS feeds. Then I go to Google News. Then I go to TechMeme. And then I go to our subreddit, uh, technewstoday.reddit.com. And I kind of take the measurement of the stories and the story interest in all those sources when we put together Tech News Today every day. Cool. All right. Jody, any oh, questions? Rossi, Rossi, question. Brown. Rossi Brown's in your, in your chat room. He's like, what's the first book of yours that I read? Uh, I believe he read Boiling Point first. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Yeah. Actually, I just, I just wanted to thank you, Tom, for, for coming on and, and sharing your knowledge. And you've been a good sport about everything. And um, it, it's great um, hearing your, your take on um, where the world's going and, and also sharing your I'm, – I'm most – Impressed with your, your apps, I have to say. Yeah, very <laughs> cool apps. Um, another question for you, Tom. Who's your favorite co-host on the Twit Network that you like to work with? Oh, you you know you can't you know I can't answer that. <laughs> if I you know if I say ah oh, yes, Sarah gets upset, Brian gets upset. If you know, um, so I, I you know I, I can't say there's a favorite. They're they're okay. they're all different. Uh, you know, my favorite co-host on Frame Rate is Brian Brushwood. Okay, yeah, I agree. He's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Or rather, right. safer to say. Yes. My, save, my favorite co-hosts on Tech News today are Sarah, Ayaz, and Jason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we've got some apps. Uh, J.D., do you want to talk about? Um, yeah. Actually, I have a, a really cool app I have to share with you because my daughter told me about this. Um, it's called Cinegram. And basically what it does, if you can imagine, you take a, a short snippet of a video 
and you can animate just part of it. it it's kind of like the animated GIFs that you see, but it's very easy to use and it's very creative. And that's my app. Cool. And my app is uh, Streamboard. It's a app where it streams all the different uh, topics that you want to check out, like the Samsung versus Apple. Good is app. that on Twitter? Yep. It's a Twitter app. It's a good app. Streamboard. Robert Scoble mentioned it to, to me the other day, so check it out. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, Vincent, got an app, mate? Yeah. Tune in Radio. It's an app I found recently that I've. I really like it. Yeah. Uh, it's a free app, and it has something like 60,000 radio stations on it. Yep. And um, I was really surprised to find that uh, a radio station, a local community station in a, a little town called Bundaberg in Queensland, well, I found that one on there. And, and the nice. reason why I was looking for that was because uh, my mum's a radio host on, on, that sh- on that station, and I was unable to uh, get into their, their streaming online through the web interface for some reason. It doesn't work with a Mac. Um, so I was happy to find that on there. And, but, yeah, I, it's, it's amazing. that I've not been able to stump it, um, even with the most obscure radio stations. And uh, who told you about that app, Vincent? I believe it was Brad. Yeah, me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You... I use it when I'm riding on the on the motorcycle. I have speakers oh, really? hooked up. Oh, cool! Oh, cool! <laughs> Very nice. Well, you, yeah. What you might not know is that it, there's a pro version for 99 cents, and the pro version allows you to record um, the streams as as well. So, oh yeah, you can t- yeah record it. Yeah, record the, the shows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, good. it's funny you should say. It. I fa- I discovered TuneIn Radio because my very first job in 1986 was at WGEL Radio in Greenville, Illinois. And I was looking for how to listen to them recently on the web, and I had the same experience. I could find it on TuneIn Radio. Is that a country station? Yeah, the best country in the country. <laughs> <laughs> All That's right. Funny. Steve, cool. you, you had an, uh, an app, mate, you want to mention? Um, not really, but notably, just like Tom, I'm not a really big Facebook user as well, occasionally, myself. Yeah, I wasn't actually asking you about Facebook, but yeah. Well, um, yeah, I don't have an app. I just wanted right. to add that in. Okay. Well, yep. that's, they do have an app for that, though. Yeah, it's a good app. Yeah, great app. Great update. Um, what about you, Tom? You got one you want to mention, mate? Yeah, I was going to mention, I've been trying out this app called Lyft, L-I-F-T. Uh, and it, it's very interesting. I'm not sure what to make of it yet. Uh, the idea is that you add habits to a calendar, uh, and then you get points for doing them. And so, like, when you p- click Add Habit... Some of the things they suggest are drink more water, floss, exercise, eat breakfast, run, etc. So it's trying to trying to get you in the habit of doing things that are good for you, kind of a gamification aspect, little achievement thing. You can compare your score to other people, so there's a social aspect to it as well. Um, I, I need to actually use it regularly. I, I'm not in the habit of using it for the habits, but I'm going I'm to give it give it a shot. It's pretty interesting. Does it deal with bad habits as well, like chewing fingernails and yeah, you can create. Yeah, exactly. You can create any habit you want. So (laughs) you could like get ridiculously drunk, you know, and just turn that into a regular habit. Not that I'm advocating that, but you could. No, I mean avoid bad habits, like getting drunk all the time. (laughs) Oh, they should. Yeah, they should give you points for not doing things. That's a really good idea. Um, Yeah, out of curiosity, though, is that that's a social kind of application? So whatever you're putting in there. Do you have the opportunity to limit it so people can't see it? Yeah, you is- decide if you're going to share. You don't have to share with anything, anyone. The only thing that they do collect is the habit, the name of the habit. 
So, for instance, I know there are 2,157 people who have drink more water as one of their habits. I don't know who they are, but it, it will funny. check it out. Yeah. And that's on the iPhone, Tom. Yeah, it's uh, iOS, so uh, iPhone and uh, – well, yeah, I think it is just an iPhone app. You can, right. I've got it double-pixeled on my iPad. All right, I'm getting it soon. Um, now, uh, Glenn from Muzzy Tech wants to know, when are you coming to Australia? Uh, you know, I was last in Australia in 2003, so I'm overdue. Uh, if someone pays me, I will go there yesterday. Actually, no, I have to go there two days from now because of the <laughs> date, date line. But uh, yeah, no, I'd love to get back to Australia. I love Australia and New Zealand, two of my favorite places cool. on earth. What part of Australia did you go to? We uh, went to Sydney uh, nice. during the uh, the uh, Rugby World Cup in '03. Actually, got to see the Wallabies and the All Blacks play in the semifinal that year, uh, <laughs> which was a good result for your country, I know. Yes, yes. And uh, then we went up to uh, the uh, Great Barrier Reef to Heron Island. Oh, nice, oh. good stuff. Very nice. Hmm. All right. Well, that's it, um, Jody. If there's any, any more yes. questions for Tom, is that it? Well, I think you just said that's it, so we're good. Yeah, I was just going to check before, you know. I didn't want to okay. end the podcast yeah, no, and leave anything out. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it very much, yeah. Tom. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for coming oh, on, Oh, thank appreciate you. It. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it was of interest. And uh, please give a shout-out on one of your shows if you can. <laughs> Absolutely. That would be, be fantastic. <laughs> um, Steve, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, chatterbox underscore live and, of course, here on Justin TV or justin.tv forward slash Linux Cool Dude, where we also do the live version of the tech webcast. Yay. Good stuff. And the video's going to be so cool this week. Um, oh, and you can find me on Twitter at Brad Oz and Tech Webcast. Um, Vincent Brown? You can find me at vintuitive.com. Okay, good site. Um, Jody? You can find me on Twitter as sunswept, and you can find me at my website, webmarcom.net. And uh, just about everywhere else is Jody Rains. All right. And what about you, Tom? Uh, TomMerritt.com is my website. That kind of collects everything together. I have the worst Twitter name in the world. uh, But you can figure out what it is by going to Tom Merritt on Twitter. uh, And then in the info description, it tells you how to spell my ridiculous Twitter name. All right. And uh, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on, mate. Appreciate your time. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, man. And, uh, yeah, it's been a blast. And uh, Steve? Yep. You did, no, I did not. Don't, game. don't pause the conversation. <laughs> don't pause the conversation. You lost the game, mate. <laughs> Hi, Glenn from Aussie Techheads. Join Will, Eric, and myself as we bring you the latest, most up-to-date, important tech news that affects you from Australia and the world. A weekly podcast available each Friday through iTunes. Watch the live stream recording of the show at live.thesecrethub.com each Thursday night, 7.30pm or GMT plus 10. Call in live via Skype or chat in our lounge. However you get us, just make sure you do. Listen or visit our website for more information, www.aussietechhead.com.au. Aussie Techheads, Australia's longest running tech news podcast well that's it for tech webcast this week thank you for tuning in we hope you enjoyed having your mind expanded tune in next week for more tech talk with brad jason and whatever crazy guests they've managed to rope in don't forget to get the tech webcast app from itunes follow us on twitter at tech webcast and of course check us out on facebook too until next time may the tech be with you peace